As I was walking on London Street one misty morning early, I heard a fair young maiden cry, Lord, save me the life of Georgie. All right. Salutations, Tigers! Welcome to the second episode of GDT3K Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000, an almost brand new podcast in which twice a month we take the campiest, juiciest, most melodramatic stories in the history of the universe and give them the full MST3K treatment. Sorry, Joel. Yeah, today, as usual, I am joined by community journalist, OG Bloom County fan, and world champion roller of natural ones on dexterity checks, Jennifer Moody. No and, lie. Yeah, and by, um, I had aspired once to that title myself, but no. That's why uh, you gotta play a halfling. You can re-roll your one. <laughs> yes. And by author and publishing executive, Christopher Jerome of Dark Tidings Press. And I am Finn J.D. John, Principal Creative and Chief Audiobook Narrator and Night Stalking Theosophical Investigator for Pulplet Productions. And we are about to tuck into chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the original Gangster of Penny Dreadfuls, Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood, Blood by James <laughs> Malcolm Reiner. Grab your bibs. As you listen, you'll notice we're playing the actual audiobook narration of the chapters in the left channel. And on the right, you'll hear us making sarcastic wisecracks about it and drinking. That way, if we get on your nerves, you can just pan over to the full left and enjoy the story or turn us down or up. Let's get this party started, shall we? Yes, please. Chapter 5. The Night Watch. The Proposal. The The Fearful Adventure. Fearful. A kind of stupefaction came over Henry Bannerworth as he sat for about a quarter of an hour, scarcely conscious of where he was. That's a long time to stupefactionize. Anything in the shape of rational thought. Hmm. It was it's related to the I have days like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would actually kind of like to have 15 minutes of stupefaction. That would be refreshing. Had not no kidding. Been aware of his presence, and he started up as if he had been shot. Oh, George, is it you? He said. No. Yes. Henry, are you unwell? Oh, yes. No, no, I was in a deep reverie. Alas, I need what not that what ask that was? upon what subject, Alas. said George, sadly. I sought to bring you this letter. A letter to me? Yes, you see it is addressed to you, and the seal looks as if it came from someone of consequence. Indeed. Yes, Henry, read it and see from whence it comes. There was just sufficient light by going to the window to enable Henry to read the letter, which he did aloud. It ran thus. Sir Francis Varney presents his compliments oh. to Mr. Beaumont and is much concerned Where have I heard to hear that, name before? that some <laughs> domestic affliction has fallen upon him. Sir Francis hopes that the genuine and loving sympathy of a neighbor will not be regarded as an intrusion, and begs to proffer any assistance or counsel that may be within the compass of his means. Ratford Abbey. Sir Francis Marley, said Ratford. Henry. Who is he? Do you not remember, Henry? said George. We were told a few days ago that a gentleman of that name had become the purchaser of the estate of Ratford Abbey. Oh, yes, yes. H- have you seen him? I have oh, not. Netherfield Hall has been left. <laughs> Is he single? Very poor. <laughs> Much poorer indeed than the general appearance of this place, which I feel... I hear he has 10,000 pounds a year. I must, <laughs> of course, goodness. return a civil answer to this gentleman, but it must be such a one as shall repress familiarity. 
that will be difficult to do. So in other words, here, how are we going to brush him off without pissing him off? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. He will easily perceive that we do not want to make acquaintance with him, and then, as a gentleman, which doubtless he is, he will give up the attempt. Now That'll he work. Heaven knows I have <laughs> Works every time. to form any new acquaintances with anyone, and more particularly under our present circumstance of depression. And now, Henry, you must permit me, as I have had some repose, to share with you your night watch in Flora's room. I would advise you not, George. Your health, as you know, is far from good. Hmm. Nay, allow me. Uh, that explains why he disappears years, without yep. a trace. Did it check the coffin? Keep up in her chamber. <laughs> This was an argument which Henry felt himself the force of, too strongly not to admit it in the case of George, and he therefore made no further opposition to his wish to make one in the night watch. There will be an advantage, said George. You see, in three of us being engaged in this matter, because should anything occur, two can act together, and yet Flora may not be left alone. True, true, that is a great advantage. Well, there were three of them the other night, now and that didn't soft, work out. gentle, silvery <laughs> light began to spread itself over the heavens. Oh, how lovely. The moon was rising, and as the beneficial effects of the storm of the preceding evening were still felt in the clearness of the air, the rays appeared to be more lustrous and full of beauty than they commonly were. Each moment the night grew oh boy. The so we're padding the, the story again. Maybe we should drink for that. Maybe we should drink for that. Although neither Henry nor George had any objection to the company of Mr. Marchdale. Drink to florid descriptions of right. scenery. Random stuff, because we need another four inches of copy, Malcolm. Right. <laughs> I am purple prose, purple drink. Than you can have. <laughs> Should anything again appear, I am quite resolved that it shall not escape me. What would you do? With the name of God upon my lips, said Mr. Marchdale solemnly, I would grapple with it. Oh, that'll... You laid hands upon it last yeah. night. I did, and have... Funny that didn't occur to anybody. From it. Right. Look here, what would you say this was? He produced a piece of cloth on which was an old-fashioned piece of lace and two buttons. Hmm. A bustier? This <laughs> appeared to be a portion of the lapel of a coat of ancient times. Ancient times? Fifty years ago? <laughs> How far said, back are we going? Ninety years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not very ancient. But... Oh, no, no, no. It came away in my grasp as if rotten and incapable of standing any rough usage. Mm. What a strange unearthly smell it has. Now that you mention it yourself, added Mr. Marchdale, I must confess it smells to me as if it had really come from the very grave. Oh, I knew it! I knew yes. it! Ding, ding, ding! I very grave. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you recorded this. Yeah, that's not unfair advantage. True. Mr. Marchdale replaced the portion of the coat which the figure had worn in his pocket, and then the three proceeded to the chamber of Flora. We haven't explained, I don't think, that we're, we've, we've decided that every time there is a reference made to something that's compared to the very grave, we have to drink. We have to. And ring the dingers. There's a lot easier ways to get drunk on a school night, but I mean, this is true. Not nearly as much fun. No, definitely not. symptoms of restlessness, and they very much feared to break the light slumber into which she had fallen. Occasionally they had conversed in whispers, 
which could not have the effect of rousing her, for the room, though smaller than the one she had before occupied, was still sufficiently spacious to enable them to get some distance from the bed. Until the hour of midnight now actually struck, they were silent, and when the last echo of the sounds died away, a feeling of uneasiness came over them, which prompted some conversation to get rid of it. Uh-oh. How bright the moon is now, said Henry in a low tone. What's that? Bouncing in the yard. I never saw it we shall not tonight be interrupted. It was later than this, said Henry. Do not then yet congratulate us upon no visit. <clears throat> still the house is, remarked George. It seems to me as if I had never found it so intensely quiet before. Ooh, is it, it is still at the very grave? Hush, she moves. <laughs> pretty close. Her sleep and made a we might need more than another more than two bottles. We're all yeah. drawn closely around the bed to shield her eyes from the bright moonlight which streamed into the room so brilliantly. They might They're closed. Why the do they need to shield the window, them? But this they did not like to do as it would render their watch there of no avail at all inasmuch as they would not be able to see if any attempt was made by anyone to obtain admittance. Tappity, 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 tappity. hour longer might have thus passed when Mr. Marchdale said, in a whisper, A thought has occurred to me that the piece of coat I have, which I dragged from the figure last night, wonderfully resembles in color and appearance the style of dress of the portrait in the room in which Flora lately slept. Finally. I that, said Henry, hmm. when I first saw it. But to tell the honest truth, I dreaded to suggest any new proof connected with last night's visitation. Then I ought not to have drawn your attention to it, said Mr. Marchdale, and regret I, I have done should have so. left you in your you ignorance, dumbass. In account, <laughs> you are quite right. It is I who am too foolishly sensitive. Now, however, since you have mentioned sensitive, it, maybe loquacious, yes, for sure, by a comparison with the portrait. That may easily be done. Yes, after we here, talk about it for George, twelve minutes. Flora awakens while you two go, if you like. It is but across the corridor. Henry immediately rose, saying, Come, Mr. Marchdale, come. Let us satisfy ourselves at all events upon this point at once. As George says, it is only across the corridor, and we can return directly. I really, what did go I wrong? Am, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really hope that they sit and discuss the artistic merit of the there portrait. No like the, the sad style. part is, after that giant setup, so that nothing's going to go wrong. A detached one and containing numerous <laughs> windows, it was as light as day. <sighs> Although the distance from one chamber to the other was only across the corridor, it was a greater space than these words might occupy. <laughs> the corridor was wide. No. And this is only like what? However, 40,000 words of text right here. Rutro. Sound of alarm from one chamber to reach the other without any Now I'm expecting later like a, a Scooby Doo moment where they're running in one door and out the, a different door. Yeah, and a monkey song playing in the background. Which was streaming over it. I mean, this is on the Chekhov's hallway the here, so I want. I hope to see this happen. Chekhov's <laughs> hallway. The greater because the rest <clears throat> of the room was not illuminated by the moon's rays, which came through a window in the corridor and then oh, it's a footlight. the door of that chamber hmm. on the portrait. Mr. Marchdale held the piece of cloth that he had close to the dress of the portrait, and one glance was sufficient to show the wonderful likeness between the two. Hmm. Good artist, said Henry. It is the same. Mr. Marchdale dropped the piece of cloth and trembled. 
This fact shakes even your skepticism, said Henry. So he has I one outfit he wore on Portrait Day and on Death Day, apparently. And, and nobody <laughs> so, ever yeah. wore this jacket but him. My ever. History to know well, maybe it's like Steve Jobs, you know? He's got like a closet full of those <laughs> turtleneck t-shirt things. and yeah. I like Shaggy and Scooby. And, <laughs> right. <yeah>. You are. <laughs> I hope he at least has an ascot like Fred. Oh, I, that's what they're holding a piece of. It sounds like. yes. <laughs> some strange corroborative fact of that dreadful supposition mm. we so much shrink from seems to come to light and to force itself upon our attention. There was a silence of a few moments' duration, and Henry had turned toward Mr. Marchdale to say something when the cautious tread of a footstep was heard in the garden immediately beneath the balcony. A sickening sensation Ooh. came over Henry, and he was compelled to lean against the wall for support, as in scarcely articulate accents he said, The vampire! God of heaven, it has come once again! Now heaven inspire us with more than mortal courage! cried Mr. <laughs> Marchdale as he dashed open That'll the window That'll be my new war cry. Yes! <laughs> more than mortal courage! Henry, in a moment, recovered himself sufficiently to follow him, and when he reached his side in the balcony, Marchdale said as he pointed below, there is someone concealed there. Where? Where? Among the laurels. I will fire a random shot, and we may do some executions. <laughs> Hold, said a voice from below. Don't do any such thing, I beg you. Shoot first. Mr. Chillingworth, <laughs> 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 Mr. Chillingworth is the vampire. Yeah. It's the stand-your-ground law, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Some laurel bushes. How is this? Said Marchdale. Oh, it was Simply the gardener. I made up Oops. my mind to keep Darn. and ward tonight oh, outside here in the hope of Has someone made the Florida man comparison yet? I thought I heard somebody say something about Florida man. No. Not, not yet. Because I did not well, know myself. Everyone is lucky that Florida man wasn't on the scene. Yeah. yeah. Barney is definitely a Florida man. I fancied I heard something in the park outside the wall. Indeed. What say you, Henry, said Mr. Marchdale, to descending and taking a hasty examination of the garden and grounds? I am willing, but first allow me to speak to George, who might otherwise be surprised at our long absence. Because George is so curious. Chamber of Flora, <laughs> he might start shooting. George, Have you any objection to being left alone here for about half an hour, George, while we make an examination of the garden? Let me have some weapon, and I care not. Remain here while I fetch a sword from my own room. <laughs> Henry did so, right. and when George so returned with a sword, which he always... He's, I thought he's, like, ill and yeah, infirm, and he's, he's like, like, yeah, I'm gonna sword fight with this <laughs> super strong vampire. That's what I was doing. This, like, a, this, this dude is, like, what, he's, like, necessary. consumptive or something. <laughs> My health won't let me do anything George except sword fight. And Henry See, returned to the, the vampire's just been feeding on him the whole time. <laughs> That's all consumption was, That's it, yeah. He, got, he just got out of the wrong room by mistake when he got the clambering over the balcony than any other. And the height was not considerable <clears throat> enough to make it very objectionable. So Henry and Mr. Marchdale chose that way. George starts to get Mr. jealous. Isn't my neck good enough you for you anymore? You are no doubt much surprised at finding me here, <laughs> said the doctor. But the fact uh, is, I, I half made up my mind to come here while I was here, but I had not thoroughly done so, and therefore I said nothing to you about it. We are much indebted to you, said Henry, for making the attempt. I am prompted to it by a feeling of the strongest curiosity. Are you armed, sir? said Marchdale. In this stick, said the doctor, is a hmm. sword, the exquisite temper of which I know I can depend upon, and I fully intended to run through anyone whom I Ooh, saw sword the least of a vampire. Uh, that sounds that way. Sword case. Run him through, replied Mr. Marchdale. I have a brace of pistols here, loaded with ball. 
Will you take one, Henry, if you please, and then we shall be all armed. <clears throat> Thus then, prepared for any exigency, they made the whole round of the house, but found all the fastenings secure and everything as quiet as possible. Still so is now the... Now we take a survey of the park outside <laughs> no, of the garden no. wall, said Mr. Marchdale. <laughs> this was agreed to, but before they had proceeded far, Mr. Marchdale said, There is a ladder lying on the wall. Would it not be a good plan to place it against the very spot the supposed vampire jumped over last night, and so, from a more elevated position, to take a view of the open meadows? We could easily drop down on the outer side if we saw anything suspicious. Not a bad plan. And then be stuck the over there. Shall we okay. do it? Certainly, said Henry, and they accordingly carried the ladder, which had been used for pruning the trees, towards the spot at the end of the long walk which the vampire had made good after many fruitless efforts. Doing, 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 doing. They then made haste down the long vista of trees until they reached the exact spot. And then they placed the ladder as near as possible, exactly where Henry, in his bewilderment on the evening before, had seen the apparition from the grave spring to. We can descend singly, said Marchdale. But there is ample space for us all there to sit at the top of the wall and make our observations. Hmm. This was seen to be the case, and in a couple of minutes they had taken up their position on the wall. Though the height was but trifling, they found that they had a much more extensive view than they could have obtained by any other means. To contemplate the beauty of such a night as this, said Mr. Chillingworth, is amply sufficient compensation for coming the distance I have. <laughs> and who knows, right. Marchdale, we may yet see something which may throw a light upon our present perplexities. God knows I would give all I call mine in the world to relieve you and your sister, Henry Banner. still counts from as a full hour. effect which last night's proceedings <laughs> cannot fail to have had upon you. Of that I am well assured, Mr. Marchdale, said Henry. If the happiness of myself and family depended upon you, we should be happy indeed. Oh, boy. silent, Mr. <clears throat> remarked Marchdale after a slight pause. This is his mother's ex-boyfriend, actually. Hush, hush. <laughs> God, what do you think? <laughs> that's that's what Henry. Mr. Marchdale is. The doctor laid his hand upon Henry's arm, and he said, There is a young lime tree, yonder, to the right. Yes, yes. Carry your eye from it in a horizontal line as what near as you Mr. can see toward the wood. Henry Horizon! So, and then he uttered a sudden exclamation of surprise <laughs> and pointed to a rising spot of ground. Great Scott! It's the Great Pumpkin! <laughs> look, Charlie Brown, look! <laughs> what is that? He said. I see something, said Marchdale. By heaven, it is a human form. Did he leave us any toys? <laughs> As if in death. What can it be? Said Chillingworth. I dread to say, replied Marchdale, but to my <clears> eyes... Even at this distance, it seems like the form of him we chased last night. The vampire? <laughs> oh, there you yes, go. Don't use the yes. B word. Look, the moonbeams touch him. Now the shadows of the trees gradually recede. God of heaven, the figure moves. Dun, dun, dun. His eyes were rooted <laughs> to that fearful object, and now a scene uh. presented itself which filled them all with wonder and astonishment, mingled with sensations of the greatest awe and alarm. As the moonbeams, in consequence of the luminary rising higher and higher in the heavens, came to touch this figure that lay extended on the rising ground, a perceptible movement took place in it. The limbs appeared to tremble, and although it did not rise up, the whole body gave signs of vitality. The vampire! The vampire! 
cried Mr. Marchdale. I cannot doubt it now. We must have hit him last night with the pistol bullets, and the moonbeams are now restoring him to a new life. Henry shuddered, and even Mr. Chillingworth turned hmm. pale. But he was the first to recover himself sufficiently to propose some course of action. And he said, <laughs> Let us descend go. and go up to this figure. It is a duty we owe to ourselves as much as to society. <laughs> Hold a moment. Let's just walk said up Mr. to him. Marchdale as he produced a pistol. I am an unerring shot, as you well know, Henry. Having Before missed him last night. <laughs> occupy, I swore to never to pull this trigger again. But I will break that vow today. <laughs> he is rising, exclaimed Henry. Mr. Marchdale leveled the pistol. He took sure and deliberate aim. And then, just as the figure seemed to be struggling to its You better be darn sure that's that vampire. A sudden right. It fell again. You have hit it, said Henry. You have indeed, exclaimed the doctor. I think we can go now. Hush, <laughs> said Marchdale. Leave him. Does it not seem to you that hit it as often as you will, the moonbeams will recover it? Yes, yes, said Henry. They will, they will. Oh. Silver bullets. No longer. His damn moonbeams. As he sprang from the wall. <laughs> Follow me or not, as you please. I will seek the spot where this being lies. I got a oh, sword cane. Yes. Marchdale. See, it rises again, and its form looks gigantic. <laughs> I trust in heaven and a righteous cause. <laughs> no, no, there's <laughs> my battle cry. There you go. Turn to the scabbard. Come with me if you like, or I go alone. Come with me if you want to die. Wait, did he throw away the scabbard? This is a sword cane. What good is a sword cane with no cane? They ran toward the piece of rising ground. But before they got to it, the form rose and made rapidly toward a little wood which was in the immediate neighborhood of the hillock. It is conscious of being pursued, cried the doctor. See how it glances back and then increases its speed. Fire upon it, Henry, said Marchdale. He did so. But either his shot did not take effect, or it was quite unheeded if it did by the vampire. Okay, so we've shot this thing like four times now, and it's never worked. To effect, or endeavor to effect Time to start sharpening the stakes, I guess. Yeah. There, said Marchdale. An open country I should have it's going to take him at least 90 chapters to figure that out, though. It's starting to sound like the Matrix. It is enveloped in the deepest gloom. I am not so unreasonable. So we need Mr. Trinity to come in and dodge this. <laughs> Shoot Barney point blank. I am confounded utterly by this affair. And I, said Marchdale, what on earth is to be done? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. somebody needs to learn how to fly a B-212 helicopter and chase his ass down. I never understood the Matrix. Guns can kill you, right? So, theoretically, maybe, kind of, but you're actually killing yourself because you're being convinced that the gun killed you. Right. I guess. But not now. But, well, different story, but... And such my own. If you can manipulate the Matrix to have anything you want, how about you maybe get a bulletproof vest? What we have seen is a vampire. Well, yeah. Just doesn't look as stylish as the trench coats. That's out of the box thinking right there. I also think there should be more use of 16-ton weights if a person can manipulate reality like that. And pointed sticks. Come home. A banana. You are by far too much excited about this. This does connect because in the Matrix home, 2 there is a vampire. So. Take advice, Henry, <laughs> said Marchdale. Take advice and come home at once. 
I will yield to you. I feel that I cannot control my own feelings. I will yield to you who, as you say, are cooler on this subject than I can be. Oh, Flora, Flora, I have no comfort for you now. Now, don't forget, Henry, she's oh, not Henry dead. <laughs> he keeps forgetting that. Mental prostration on account of the distressing circumstances which had occurred so rapidly. I mean, she could so be. They haven't checked on her in a while. Family, which <laughs> no. had quite they left George. Isn't George there? Uh, I, feel like, to every other I feel like, oh, Flora, Flora is a dinger. Okay, well, I'll go right. into that. Every hope of future add that to the list. <laughs> also, maybe a uh, great god in heaven or to be <laughs> to that. Yeah, something to that effect. Watchdale. He no longer attempted to dispute the dreadful fact concerning the supposed vampire. He could not contend now against all the corroborating circumstances that seemed to collect together for the purpose of providing that which, even when proved, was contrary to all his notions of heaven, and at variance with all that was recorded and established as part and parcel of the system of nature. Uh, I cannot part deny, and parcel. He said. You know, we're going to get in trouble for this podcast. We're going to get in trouble because if if we don't keep it lively, this this storyline is going to put somebody to sleep. And if they're on Ambien, they're going to like buy a Tibetan yak and send us the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that as a suggestion. No, 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 no. Wasn't there a wasn't there a um like Betsy DeVos or something like that? Use the Ambien claim. It was Roseanne Barr. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She was on Ambien. Then Ambien came out and said, "Racist remarks are not a side effect of our product." You were a witness. True, I saw a man lying down, and then I saw a man get up, and he seemed to be shot, but whether he was or not, only he knows, and then I saw him walk off in a desperate hurry. Beyond that, I saw nothing. Mr. Chillingworth yes, is a stubborn cuss. <laughs> yes. No! Into combination nope. with others, have you not a terrible fear of the truth of the dreadful appearance? No, nope. no. <laughs> Don't use that word. So, Chillingsworth is Batman in that meme where he's slapping Robin and Henry's trying to say vampire and he's no. But the circumstance strikes too nearly to my heart. Be of better cheer, Henry. Be of better cheer. There's one circumstance which we ought to consider. It is that, from all we have seen, there seems to be some things which would favor an opinion, Henry, that your ancestor whose portrait hangs in the chamber which was occupied by Flora, is a vampire. The dress is the same, said Henry. I noted it was. Does that mean I'm a vampire? I was going to say, there's heredity at work there. Something might be done to set that part of the question at rest. What? What? Where is your ancestor buried? Oh, I understand The maggot doesn't crawl far from the corpse. I would, added Marchdale. Anything that may, in any way, tend to assist in making this affair clearer and divesting it of its mysterious circumstances will be... Excellent, excellent. We're moving on to tomb <laughs> robbery. And then he said, He, in common with many other members of my family, no doubt occupies a place in the vault under the old church in the village. Mm -hmm. Would it be possible, asked Marchdale, to get into that vault without exciting general attention? <laughs> yeah. It would, said Henry. The entrance to the vault is in the flooring of the pew, which belongs to the family in the old church. Then it could be done? asked Mr. Chillingworth. Most undoubtedly. Will you undertake such an adventure? asked Mr. Chillingworth. It may ease your mind. 
He was buried in the vault and in his clothes, said Henry, musing. Oh, <laughs> see? Mm, on portrait day, in fact. <laughs> right, because it's suicide. <clears throat> Give me leave to think uh, of it till tomorrow. Was it Most suicide? I missed that part. Did they say that? Now, the renegade Bannerworth guy, the um, the ancestor, George, was supposedly a suicide. Yeah. And yet, in the, and he buried him in the church, even. That was decent of him. Well, in his clothes, though. Oh, he realized that Frankenberry was better than Count Chocula, and he just couldn't <laughs> live with that. Continuous sentinels by Flora's bedside until the morning light should banish all uneasy thoughts. I think he just poured himself by accident a bowl of peanut butter Captain Crunch berries and took a bite and was like, "I can't live anymore." Conversation for some hours upon that subject, as well as upon others of great importance to their welfare. It was not until the sun's early rays came glaring in at the casement that they both rose and thought of awakening Flora, who had now slept soundly for so many hours. Chapter 6 A Glance at the Bannerworth Family ah. The Probable Consequences of the Mysterious Apparitions Is there an illustration to accompany this chapter? Well, I think there is. Far, we hope, Let's interested see. our readers in the fortunes of a family which had become subject to so dreadful a visitation. Well, that's pretty we good. That a few What's this one? Concerning them and the peculiar circumstances in which they are now placed. Will I don't even know what this is supposed to be. See page 27. The Bannerworth family were then well known in the part of the country where they Oh, resided. this is Flora's Perhaps boyfriend rescuing her from falling off a mountain. By name than they were oh, right. He's, he's, he'll enter in a few pages, right? All right. You better share that with the uh, viewers on YouTube. We'll meet him soon. Time yeah. The head of the family had been the very worst specimen of it that could be procured. Hmm. While the junior branches were frequently amiable and... For those of you listening to us on your morning commute, sorry, you're missing out on the uh, pulpy part. Yes. Oh, look, we've got... We got um, and who resided in the house now occupied by Flora and her brother. Ah, there we go. Okay. Nice. The, The Midnight Pursuit. This state of things, by some strange fatality, had gone on for nearly a hundred years, and the consequence was what might have been fairly expected, namely that what with their vices and what with their extravagancies, the successive heads of the Bannerworth family had succeeded in so far diminishing the family property that when it came into the hands of Henry Bannerworth, it was of little value on account of the newness uh, and patriarchs were with crappy with their money. Yeah. Henry, you better find a rich American. That's my life goal. Family. I want to be known by my descendants as someone so who squandered the family fortune. Yeah. I have to have a family fortune first, but uh, yes, I plan to squander it. Hashtag goals. So yes. yes. You can change your mind about the squandering it after you acquire it. Yeah. <laughs> in a hundred years, made it not so easy for even a landed proprietor to play the petty tyrant. He had to get rid of those animal spirits which had prompted many of his predecessors to downright crimes had recourse to the gambling table, and after raising whatever sums he could upon the property which remained, he naturally, as might have been fully expected, lost them all. Naturally. He was found lying. We should have the gambling hotline in the notes for this episode. By his Mm -hmm. side was his pocketbook, on one leaf of which it was the impression of the family he had endeavored to write something previous to his decease, for he held a pencil firmly in his grasp. 
The probability was that he had felt himself getting ill, and being desirous of making some communication to his family, which pressed heavily upon his mind, he had attempted to do so, but was stopped by the too rapid approach of the hand of death. The hand of death. Oh. I'm That's close that enough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> his conduct had been extremely mysterious. He had announced an I like this guy, though. He was like a forever. classic Lovecraft protagonist riding right up until death yes. or madness <laughs> overtook him. It's the castle of the window. The window. Dear Diary. Before he was found lying dead, made the following singular speech to Henry. Do not regret, Henry, that the old house which has been in our family so long is about to be parted with. Be assured that... If it is but for the first time in my life, I have good and substantial reasons now for what I am about to do. Hmm, he's we bought shall mining be able stock. To go to some other country <laughs> and there live like princes of the land. Uh -huh. Where the means were to come from to live like a prince, unless Mr. Bannerworth had some of the German princes in his eye, no one knew but himself, and his sudden death buried with him that most important secret. There were some Maybe he was thinking of Prince Nelson. Of his pocketbook, but they were of by far too <laughs> he didn't have very much money early on before he was discovered, I don't think. They were these. <clears throat> the money is... Prince known by a symbol. Then there was a right. long scroll of the pencil. The vampire formerly known as right. Marley. <laughs> the the money is... could be made of these words except in the way of a contradiction, as the family lawyer said <laughs> rather more facetiously than a man of law usually speaks. For if he had written, the money is not, he would have been somewhere remarkably near the truth. Snarky guy. That was good. I have to admit. ...who chose rather to remember him in his best aspect than to dwell upon his faults. For the first time, then, within memory of man, the head of the family of the Bannerworths was a gentleman in every sense of the word. Brave, generous, highly educated, and full of many excellent and noble qualities, for such was Henry, whom we have introduced to our readers under such distressing circumstances. Mm. And now people said that the family property having been all dissipated and lost, there would take place a change, and that the Bannerworths would have to take some course of honorable industry for a livelihood, and that then they would Bank be as respected as they had yeah. before been detested and disliked. Indeed, the position which Henry held was now a most precarious one. It seems like highway robbery is a good profession. His father had been to encumber the property. I was a highwayman. <laughs> I was a dam builder. There you go. Almost by his attorney, if it were at all desired. Jen flew a starship. Yep. Is that right? However, to the old house of his family, had induced the young man to hold possession of it as long as he could, despite any. And who were those? That, let's see. The highwayman was connected with it. Waylon so Jennings, we, yeah, Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson. I think Chris Christopherson was the dam builder, and Johnny Cash was the and most unexpected yeah. offer. Came to him from a solicitor in London of oh, well. whom he knew nothing to purchase the house and grounds. The benefits of uh, my grandma being into classic country so, and taking right, me on many a road mention. trip. The offer made was a liberal one, and beyond the value of the place. Mm -hmm. The lawyer who had conducted Henry's affairs for him since his father's decease advised him by all means to take it, but after consultation with his mother and sister and George, they all resolved to hold by their own house as long as they could. 
No, that's and too consequently, bad. He refused George is going to trade it all for bananas then <laughs> about <laughs> chapter 30. And to name his own price for the occupation of it. But that he would not do. So the negotiation went off altogether, leaving only in the minds of the family much surprise at the exceeding eagerness of someone whom they knew not to get possession of the place on any terms. There was another circumstance, perhaps, which materially aided in producing a strong feeling on the minds of the Bannerworths with regards to remaining where they were. That circumstance occurred thus. A relation of the family who was now dead, and with whom had died all his means, had been in the habit for the last half-dozen years of his life of sending a hundred pounds to Henry for the express purpose of enabling him and his brother George and his sister Flora to take a little continental or home tour in the autumn of the year. A more acceptable present, or for a more delightful purpose, to young people could not be found. And with the quiet, prudent habits of all three of them, they contrived to go far and to see much. Somehow, Dad managed to not get his, get his hooks on any of the cash. In one of those excursions, when among the mountains of Italy... They could have cured Mom's fainting disease, but they chose to travel instead. Right. <laughs> they were riding along a narrow mountain path, and her horse slipping, she fell over the ledge of the precipice. In an instant, a young man... A stranger to the whole party who was traveling in the vicinity. See, that's why everyone riding through the mountains should be on a goat. They <laughs> yeah, convinced or at least they don't fall. Was they scale. That's he it. He told her to lie quiet. He encouraged her to hope for immediate succor. And then, with much personal exertion and at immense risk to himself, he reached the ledge of rock on which she lay. And then he supported her until the brothers had gone to a neighboring house, which by the by, was two good English miles off and got assistance. There came on... As opposed to Swiss gone, kilometers or whatever. <laughs> Bad English miles. But for him who was with <laughs> yes. her, she must have been hurled from the rock and perished in an abyss below, which was almost too deep for observation. Oh. Suffice it to say that she was rescued, and he who had by his intrepidity done so much towards saving her was loaded with the most sincere and heartfelt acknowledgments by the brothers as well as by herself. He frankly told them that his name was Holland, and that he was traveling for amusement and mm. instruction and was by profession. He was on spring break. Yeah. Why, frankly, I'm, I'm like, it was not he, he frankly admitted that his name was Clyde Barrow. <laughs> and then he pops a maybe in and bought a yak. Tell you what, Flora, change your name to Bonnie and start writing limericks. Run around England robbing banks. Yep. <clears throat> All this was settled satisfactorily with the full knowledge and acquiescence of the two brothers who had taken a strange attachment to the young child. Strange. Father, strange. Who was yeah. indeed in every way likely to it's propitiate the, the opinion of all <laughs> Very odd. Very odd that they like this guy who saved their sister from splatting on the rocks. He, came, yeah. he would find a welcome from all except possibly his father whose wayward temper he could not answer for. Mm. Young Holland stated that he was compelled to be away for a term of two years from certain family arrangements. He's he got warrants. Got to wait for the statute of limitations to run out. That's it. They it take me off the registry the in exactly 363 days. Generous relative who had supplied them with the means of making such delightful trips was no more. 
And likewise, the death of the father had occurred in the manner we have related, so that there was no chance, as had been anticipated and hoped for by Flora, of meeting Charles Holland on the continent again. Well, Charles, we'll always have Vegas. Should be expired. <laughs> Such, however, being the nature of things, Flora felt reluctant to give up the house where he should be sure to come to look for her. And her happiness was too She can like to leave a note or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't work. No, no, no. He's going to swim across the channel for me one day. Varney the Vampire could probably be dependent on to give them the forwarding address. I mean, it's pretty obvious it's Varney the Vampire trying to buy the house. Right. No, it's old Mr. Whipple. He's just dressing as Varney the Vampire to scare them. Mr. Whipple. And he would have gotten away with it, too. You will squeeze my sermon. <laughs> you will. Barney just wants his portrait back. She, however, with the want of steady reflection of a young girl as she was then, had, as is generally the case among several admirers, chosen the very worst. Oh, this is mother they're talking about. Who had treated her with the most indifference and who paid her the least attention was, of course, thought the most of all. And of course. She gave her hand to him. It's the bad boy that thing. Man was Mr. Bannerworth. But future experience had made her thoroughly awake to her former error. And but for the love she bore her children, who so, were certainly all that a mother's heart could wish, she would often... Seriously, 1845 is when this got started? This whole girls don't like nice guys bullshit? <laughs> 1845, no, ladies no, and gentlemen. It was sooner than that, because he's presenting <laughs> it as a, you know... Everybody knows this. Right, exactly, so... Okay. I know I can be the one to make Jack the Ripper stop his wanton ways. <laughs> Or it might be the pleasure nearly. I'll change him. He'll change after we get married. Yep, that's right. Be that as it may, she He'll change after he has to get the blood away somehow. After consenting to remain for some time as a visitor in the hall, won the esteem of the whole family by his frank demeanor and cultivated intellect. This is oh Marchdale, right? This is definitely before show don't tell became the yeah. But he was a most entertaining companion. Well, efficiency, storytelling efficiency was not the goal here. No, no. We need exactly 413 inches of copy this week. Yep. Go. He had a small independence of his own and being completely alone. few words off. Stock phrase. Marchdale owned that he felt a pleasure in residing with the Bannerworths. Hmm. Of course, he could not, in decent terms, so far offend them as to offer to pay for his subsistence. But he took good care that they should really be no losers by having him as an inmate, a matter which an inmate? easily arranged hmm. by little presents of one oh. kind and another, all of it's which like, he um, My cat left a present on the carpet in the living room the other day. Now he is an inmate. <laughs> Whether or not this amiable piece of maneuvering was seen through by the Bannerworths is not our purpose to inquire. Oh, of course not, but please tell us about it anyway. Yes. In their esteem, for it was probably just what they themselves would have felt a pleasure in doing under <laughs> I don't think any of this chapter has been our purpose, but yet here we are. <laughs> well, the whole thing is a giant exposition break, right? So we're going to fill in the back story here. Right. Among the as we go along. We're making this up as we go along. Right. With changes in which changes and on the were now sixth day, to be rapid <laughs> and conclusive. 
how far the feelings of the family toward the ancient house of their race would be altered by the appearance at it of so fearful a visitor as a vampire, we will not stop to inquire. We won't. Been, isn't that the point? They've kind of been inquiring <laughs> about it for that the visitation has well, produced a quite some time now. <laughs> that is a story for another time, dear reader. <laughs> Which will be a chapter at a later date. On the second morning, Henry received notice to quit his service from the three servants he had with difficulty contrived to keep at the hall. <laughs> the reason why he received such notice he knew well enough. And therefore he did not trouble himself to argue about a superstition to which he felt now himself almost compelled to give way. For how could he say there was no such thing as a vampire when he had with well, his own eyes? At least the servants the quit before they became like a gypsy stereotype. <laughs> he calmly right. paid the servants and allowed them to leave him at once without at all entering into the matter. And I didn't sign being, on for this. No. However, came evidently <laughs> with fear and trembling and probably only took the place on account of not being able to procure any other. <laughs> the comfort of the household was likely to be completely <laughs> put there's in There's no middle ground with servants in these kind of stories. They either run at the first sign of danger, which is the smart thing, because they're just underpaid laborers, yeah. or they're like, my family has served your family for 500 years, I'm not running now. <laughs> and then they die. Like, right. There's no like middle of the road, like, okay, can you pay me a little bit more? <laughs> yes. right. Hazard Hazard you can't do that. <laughs> the laws of the market are the laws of the market. <laughs> That's right. No, we can't do that. Surely you jest. Encouraging and kindly accents. Yeah, the family well, next door is hiring, and they don't have a vampire menace. I have slept long, dear Henry. You have, and pleasantly too, I hope. I have not had any dreams, and I feel much refreshed now and quite well again. Thank heaven, said George. If you will tell dear mother that I am awake, I will get up with her assistance. The brothers left the room, and they spoke to each other of it as a favorable sign that Flora did not object to being left alone now as she had done on the preceding morning. Of course, it's broad daylight, but still. Fast now, I mean, she George, still can't get up by herself, Henry. but whatever. If we could now but persuade ourselves that all this alarm would pass away and that we should hear no more of it, we might return to our old and comparatively happy condition. Let us believe, Henry, that we shall... And yet, George, I shall not be satisfied in my mind until I have paid a visit. A visit? Where? To the family vault. Indeed, Henry. <laughs> I almost I forgot that that's what, that idea, where they were going. I had. <laughs> I have several times abandoned it, but it comes across my mind again and again. I much regret it. Look you, George, to as yet everything that has happened has tended to confirm a belief in this most horrible <laughs> of all superstitions concerning vampires. Where's Lara Croft? Yes. Now my great object, George, is to endeavor to disturb such a state of thing by getting something, however slight or of a negative character, for the mind to rest upon on the other side of the question. I comprehend you, Henry. You know that well, that present, makes one of us. We are not only led mm -hmm. to right. believe almost irresistibly that we have been visited by a vampire, but that that vampire is our ancestor, whose portrait is on the panel of the wall of the chamber into which he contrived to make his way. True, most true. Then let us, by an examination of the family vault, George, put an end to one of the evidences. I mean, they did if connect the dots fairly quickly, considering how long the coffin this of the ancestor of ours, who seems is, so. in dress and appearance so horribly mixed up in this affair, hmm. we shall be at rest on that head. But consider how many years have elapsed. Yes, a great number. 
What then do you suppose could remain of any corpse placed in a vault so long ago? Decomposition well, must of probably course smell have done okay. its work, but there right. must be a something to show that a corpse has so undergone the process common to all nature. Double the lapse of time surely could not obliterate all traces of that which had been a skeleton. There is in that right. Oh, there could Besides, be nothing left. It was ancient history after all, so that they cannot have all gone. <laughs> true, most true. If in the one which, from the inscription and date, we discover to be that of our ancestor whom we seek, we find the evident remains of a corpse, we shall be satisfied that he has rested in his tomb in hmm. peace. Brother, you seem bent on this adventure said George. If you go, I will accompany you. I will not engage rashly in it, George. Before I finally decide, I will again consult with Mr. Marchdale. His opinion will weigh much with me. And in good time, here he comes across the garden, said George as he looked from the window of the room. Because any major life decision I make, I have to consult Mr. my mom's ex first. You have been early afoot, said Henry. I have. He said, the fact is that although at your solicitation I went to bed, I could not sleep, and I went out once more to search about the spot where we had seen the... I don't know what to call it, for I have a great dislike to naming it a vampire. <laughs> ah, not you're backpedaling now. Said George. <laughs> he was the one who first brought it up. Is. Isn't he? Yeah, that's right. I'm loath to say it. I dread to say it, Henry. Any discovery? They never die. Henry. Never. Whatsoever. A vampire! <laughs> not the least. Yeah. Well, Mr. Marchdale, George now it's a vampire with an I instead of a vampire with a Y. Ah, yes, yes, yes. different, and different we creature. To suspend our judgments until we saw you and learned your opinion, which I will tell you frankly," said Mr. Marchdale, "because we, I know uh, you desire it freely. We're getting awfully low. Do so. Yeah. The blood bank runs thin. Here, give me. Indeed. Um, yes, and for this reason. You have now, as you cannot help having, a disagreeable feeling that you may find that one coffin is untenanted. And when we return from the break, you more alcohol. Not quite. True, most true. On the contrary, if you find indubitable proofs that your ancestor has slept soundly in the tomb and gone the way of all flesh, you will find yourselves much calmer. And that an attack is made upon the train of events, which at present all run one okay, way. But that is precisely the argument. If you find a corpse in there, door, a it may not be the corpse of your ancestor, because Barney might have been smart enough to just drag go, another body in there. George. Sure. And, and B, he seems to be pretty good at making Even if it is Barney in there. There's still a vampire day. after you. Like you're gonna be more comfortable because it's not your can. ancestor. But who Why cares who it is? They're still trying to like kill your sister. Of course, we lose nothing by making a nice It seems to me like if it's your if it's great great grandpa, then maybe you can talk to him or something. But if it's some rando from next door, right? Does not seem like an improved situation. Our family produces only the best vampires. That's very true. Actually vested in and belonging to yourself. Or he knows that our family has the best tasting blood. <laughs> I bit my cheek one time when I was. <laughs> and I just knew. The church is old, said George, and we could easily find means of getting into it. There is only one objection I see just now. So, by this point in the publishing history, were the chapters released by themselves? Because I know the first four were bundled together. 
must be yeah. equipped to herself. So this was well, each one of these chapters is one pamphlet now, or were they still like two to hit a certain page count in the, the press? Or yeah, there were several of them at a time. Okay. Because some of these chapters are four thousand words long, and some of them are like a thousand words long. And remark uh, Henry. I have to assume there is ample evidence. There was probably, but we must not give Flora a night of sleep. I have to assume that they probably were sending out about eight thousand words per we cannot well explain episode. Where we are gotcha. going or upon what errand? Certainly not. Let us talk to her then about it," said Henry. "I confess I am much bent upon the plan, and Fane would not forgo it. Neither should I like Fane. other than that we three should go together. Uh, if you determine then upon it." Said Marchdale, we will go tonight, and from your acquaintance with the place, oh, oh yes, because let's go in the middle of the night. Yeah, I missed that part. Why did they say that was the There's best? A trap door at the bottom of the pier. Well, it's still yeah. almost it's it almost a full moon, down, so maybe that's well. good. If they go during the, the day, he should be in there whether he's dead or not, yes, right? And that's when you stay him. maybe they're afraid that people will frown upon them rooting around in the crypt while there's other people in the church. Well, but it is it is their crypt. I mean, it's like, hey guys, I want to. Check on Great Uncle Bo. No, no, Bob, right, I'm gonna pay my, gonna pay my respects by right. staking the motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, it's a family tradition. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me one of the few episodes of Two and a Half Men that I ever watched, and the mom gets sick. And somebody asked Charlie Sheen why he's at the hospital, and he says, "Well, I'm the oldest. It's my job to drive in the stake." Regarding this most fearful of apparitions, nice. I do indeed hope so," added Henry. And now I wonder how I tiger blood tastes. Flora and endeavor to convince her that she has <laughs> like cocaine. That if we can induce Mr. Chillingworth to come with us, it will be a great point gained. Cocaine and Marlboros. <laughs> said Henry. Be able to come to an accurate decision Poor with respect to the remains, if yeah. any, in the coffin, which we could not. Then let us have him by all means," said George. He did not <coughs> seem averse last night to go on such an adventure. I will ask him when he makes his visit. Oh, Chillingworth, he's talking Flora. about. Yeah. And should uh, he not feel disposed to join us? He oh, still hasn't caught sure a ship to the New World yet for the uh, Scarlet Letter fiasco. Oh, <laughs> oh that Chillingworth, yes. To Flora yeah. And told her that he and George. I'm just waiting. That's the spin-off of this, I assume. Now, doesn't evening after dark? Isn't she felt sufficient? No, it's Dimsdale. Sense of security without Dimsdale is the guy that color. That it's gets like together with Hester. And then, Chillingworth. Of her fears, she said, That's her husband. Oh, yeah. I will not yeah. Shows up all Surely of a sudden. No He's got nothing to look forward to in the new world. He might as well we hang out here. Yeah, right. Besides, am I to be kept thus in fear all my life? Surely, surely not. You go, I Flora. To learn to defend myself. Henry caught at the idea, <laughs> as he said, If firearms were left to you, do you think you would have the courage to use them? I do, Henry. Oh, yeah. All right. Yes. Flora's a badass. And I never miss. The pistol, on the other hand, misses frequently. justified in the use of deadly weapons, I am now. Heaven protect me from a repetition of this. Oh, heaven protect me. I think that's close. Close enough. Close enough. Yes. much rather would I die a hundred deaths than suffer what I have suffered. Do not allow it, dear Flora, to press too heavily upon your mind in dwelling upon it in conversation. I still entertain a sanguine expectation that something may arise to afford a far less dreadful explanation of what has occurred than what you have put upon it. 
we have I think we should give Flora, Flora a samurai sword and a yellow outfit. <laughs> I'm impressed. She's willing to be all by herself with a pistol? You <laughs> go. Yep. Yeah, the sequel kills Barney. She wakes up from the coma and plagues her family. When the night should come again, her fears should return with it. But he spoke to Mr. Chillingworth upon the subject and got that gentleman's ready consent to accompany them. I really hope that the crypt is quiet as the grave. And matters were all arranged, and Henry waited with much eagerness and anxiety now for the coming night, which he hoped would dissipate one of the fearful deductions which his imagination had drawn from recent circumstances. He gave to Flora a pair of pistols of his own, upon which he knew he could depend, and he took good care to load them well so there could be no likelihood whatever of their missing fire <laughs> None. at the moment. <laughs> now, Flora... He said, I have seen you use firearms when you were much younger than you are now, and therefore I need give you no instructions. <clears throat> if any intruder does come and you do fire, be sure you take a good aim and shoot low. <laughs> I don't need to give you instructions, but here are the instructions. Most assuredly, I feel like, given the era of this production, that this is setting up something up for her to, like, shoot one of them by accident. Right. Still, however, it had sufficient power over 29 days before it'll reanimate the vampires. I'm impressed. She was, she couldn't even scream in the last round. Now she's ready to take him out. Yeah, no kidding. called a dark one. George Henry well, one does recover from a surprise. The rooms of the house, previous to starting upon their expedition, and after satisfying themselves that they had with them all the tools that were necessary, inclusive of the small but well-tempered iron crowbar with which Marchdale had, on the night of the visit of the vampire, forced open the door of Flora's chamber, they left the hall and proceeded at a rapid pace. I think pace I remember that forcing the of the door being a team and effort. Flora does not seem much alive. I have placed it. Press, press, left alone. Yeah. for your life. No. We were we were pretty impressed at the uh, craftsmanship of the Bannerworth homes. That's when they used George as the battering ram, I think. <laughs> yeah. The pressing effect of the awful visitation she has endured. It would have driven some really mad. It would indeed, and her own reason tottered on its throne, but... Thank heaven she has recovered. Or has she? <laughs> oh, no. She may never have such another trial. Have you checked her teeth lately? I mean, in the, uh, she is one among a the 90s Dracula movie, Lucy's a lot scarier than Dracula is. She's got the big neck frill. Recovered, and, said Henry. But yeah. a spirit which I am rejoiced I like everything to see about that movie except Keanu Reeves. Her hmm. of resistance now Probably his worst her. performance. Yes, she actually, <laughs> That's saying something, too. <laughs> she actually asked me for arms to resist any second visitation. You much surprise me. Yes, I was surprised as well as pleased myself. I would have left her one of my pistols had I been aware of her having made such a request. Do you know if she can use firearms? Oh, yes. Well, okay. what a pity. I have both of mine with me. Oh. Oh, she is provided. Provided? She could have had three. Yes. I found <laughs> some pistols, which I used to take with me in the continent, and she has them both well loaded, <clears throat> so that if the vampire makes his appearance, he is likely to meet with rather a warm reception. Yes, because we, we know that shooting him right. does yes, anything Right, it's been so effective so far. Well, you know best, certainly, of course. I hope the vampire may come, that we may Just have the pleasure... make sure you prevent him from touching the moonbeams, Flora. Uh, by the by, I... I 
Bless me, I have forgot to get the material for lights, which I pledge myself to do. Ah. How unfortunate. Walk on slowly while I run back and get them. We clearly are oh, trying to burn a little bit of column Whoa. inches here. Yeah. Cried a man at Walk this on moment, slowly while I run quickly. It is Mr. Chillingworth, said Henry. Hello, cried the worthy doctor again. <laughs> is that you, my friend, Henry Bannerworth? No, it is the vampire! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chillingworth now came up to them and said, I was before my time, so rather than wait at the church post, which would have exposed me to observation, perhaps, I thought it better to walk on and to chance meeting with you. You guessed uh. that we should come this way? Yes, and so it turns out, really. It is unquestionably your most direct route to the church. Hmm. I think I will go back, said Mr. Marchdale. Back, exclaimed the doctor. What for? I forgot the means of getting lights. We have candles, but no means of lighting them. Make yourself easy on that score, said Mr. Chillingworth. I am never without some chemical matches of my own manufacture. I am a so former boy scout. Candles, of can course. Be no bar to our going on I have a letter from the president and everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> theoretically, this is from Very the old days when Flint and Tinder were what you used. So. Me, or at least half a mile from the hall. Let us yeah, now this push is on. total padding, though. Like, yeah. push on. All four the characters debate something pace. that they need and forgot. <laughs> Another <laughs> character <laughs> shows up. They debate it with him. Then he surprisingly has it. Like, I, have you heard that Flora wanted pistols? Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> oh, shoot, I should have left her some of mine. Going to it from the yeah, the, that amount of by the way, how are you doing? <laughs> I, like, the writing side of me is cringing right now. Like, such a wasted passage. Well, the, the, yeah, I mean, it's like... We're kind of spoiled because, you know, modern authors are all schooled in this. It's like write tight. It wasn't right. No, so I tell my no, students. no fluffy shit that doesn't go anywhere. I know. I wish These I could pay like by the word. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have a Patreon. You can. There were numerous arched windows partaking something of the more florid Gothic style, mm. scarcely ornamental enough to be called such. The edifice stood in the center of a graveyard, which extended over a space of about half an acre, and altogether it was we one need of the like an owl sound effect. rural old churches <laughs> the graveyard. Yes. Of the spot. <laughs> a wolf howling in the background. There, wolf. There, graveyard. And it had an extensive and well-deserved reputation Some crickets. as a fine chirp, specimen chirp, of its chirp, class chirp. and style of building. Oh, the spirits are restless. The present day are <laughs> I'm in danger. The old Roman style of church building, and although they are as rapidly pulled down as the abuse of modern architects and the cupidity of speculators and the vanity of clergymen can possibly encourage in order to erect flimsy Italianized structures in their stead. Good Lord, this now we're on architecture. Over England yes. To interest the traveler. At Williston, and it's like you could transplant that that critique well into any this then era. Yep. Kind of building into <clears> yep. which <laughs> the intention of our four friends to penetrate. Not oh, they tear down these Art Deco churches, and it's such a tragedy. But on yeah. one which, proceeding from good and proper motives, it was highly desirable to conduct in as secret a manner as possible. Oh, yes. The moon was more densely covered by clouds than it had yet been that evening when they reached oh. the little uh -oh. gate which led into the church. He can't drink of the moonbeams. was a regularly used thoroughfare. Good thing Mr. Chillingworth has all those night, chemical matches. <laughs> For we are not so likely to be disturbed. And now the question is, how are we to get in? 
<laughs> said Mr. Chillingworth. Didn't think about that. Now you think about that. Yeah. What, you don't carry George. an extra key? The doors, said George, would effectually resist us. How can it be done then? Time to use George's the head again. The only I can think <laughs> of, said Henry, is to get out one of the small diamond-shaped panes of glass from one Wait, of the windows. Wait, didn't they have a crowbar? Then no, they brought a crowbar. They did yeah. bring a crowbar. Do the fastening, uh, which is blah, blah. They'd rather break the window, the window than uh, break the door, I guess. the church. A good way. They may. Marchdale. Well, they will lose no time. They walked round the church till they came mm. to a very low window indeed, near to an angle of the wall where a huge abutment struck far into the burial ground. Ooh. Will you do it, Henry? said George. Yes, I have often noticed the fastenings. Just give me a slight hoist up, and all will be right. Ah, yes. George Every time I come so, here, and Henry, I pay attention to how to break in. Bent back yeah. some <laughs> of the lead work which held in one of the panes of glass. And then got it out whole. He handed it down to George, saying, "Take this, George. We can easily replace it when we leave, so that there oh. will be no signs left of anyone having been here uh, at all." Henry's done this before. George yes, <laughs> he steals the copper so that George can keep his drug habit Henry going. Where's the <laughs> <laughs> That's how Bannerworth Hall has been continued to not be sold off. <laughs> I wonder," said Marchdale. That a place so inefficiently protected has never been robbed. Yeah. Oh. Hey, Henry. <laughs> there is nothing to take that I am aware of that would repay <laughs> no. anybody the trouble of taking. Nothing that Not Henry anymore. hasn't already gotten. <laughs> right. The pulpit, to be sure, is covered with. My ancestors squandered our fortune, so I squandered the fortune of others. I believe nothing is left but some books. I think there is no temptation, and that heaven knows is little enough then. Come on. See, that's the good old days when people could afford an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Thus guided, they all got fairly into the sacred edifice, and then Henry closed the window and fastened it on the inside as he said, We have nothing to do now but set to work opening a way into the vault, and I trust that heaven will pardon us for thus desecrating the tomb of my ancestors. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, you're going straight to hell, Henry. Yep. (laughs) It does seem wrong thus to tamper with We all know what you've done remarked Mr. Marchdale. The secrets of a fiddlestick? What secrets has the tomb, I wonder? Well, but my dear sir, nay, my dear sir, it is high time. There's a lot of dear sirring. Well, and if you're going to be such a dick, why did you even come along? (laughs) What secrets could be here? Why are we even here again? But such as may well be endeavored to be kept secret. What do you mean? There is one which well, very he is a doctor, which means he's kind of in the business of that? dissecting medical specimens, and you have to get those from somewhere. Right. That, I know of nothing of wonder if it's like he's, he's got like a, a, an uneasy uh, conscience. Oh, oh. I remember when I was a freshman in medical school, I helped that's what Igor's for now. Surgery would lose its value and crime. Instances of the most Bring me an honest brain, not the brain of a criminal. <laughs> oh, I dropped the wrong jar. It's Abby! The church has many windows. Do not have one, then, by any means, said Mr. Chillingworth. A match held low in the pew may enable us to open the vault. That will be the only plan. Henry led them to the pew which belonged to his family, and in the floor of which was the trap door. When was it that's that's convenient. Yeah, because they said the trap door was under the pew when because died, they have to hide where they put their bodies for some reason. Ago, I so think. Chillingsworth can't the exhume them. <laughs> right. To fix themselves with fresh rust. Here is one of my chemical matches. It was Mr. against Grandpa's religion to have his body donated to science. Clear and beautiful flame that lasted about a minute. The heads of the screws were easily discernible. 
and the short time that the light lasted had enabled Henry to turn the key he had brought with him in the lock. I think that without a light now, he said, I can turn the screws well. Can you? Yes, there are but four. Try it then. Henry did so, and from the screws having very large heads and being made purposely for the convenience of removal when required with deep indentations to receive the screwdriver, hmm. he found no difficulty in feeling for the proper places and extracting ah, good. They the screws without any more light <laughs> than was afforded to him by the general whitish aspect of the heavens. Now, Mr. Chillingworth, he said, another of your matches, if you please. I have all the screws so loose that I can pick them up with my fingers. Here, said the doctor. <clears throat> in another moment, the pew was as light as day, and Henry succeeded in taking... As light as day from a single match. Some serious matches. Yeah. Mother, someone is in the church. Exactly it it's lit up as light as day. Surmise <laughs> should arise in the mind of any person that the vault had been opened and visited for any purpose whatsoever, secretly or otherwise. Hmm. Let us descend, said Henry. There is no further obstacle, my friends. Let us descend. If anyone, remarked George in a whisper as they slowly descended the stairs which Clop. conducted into the vault. Clop. If anyone had told me that I should be descending into a vault for the purpose of ascertaining if a dead body which has been nearly a century there was removed or not and had become a vampire, I should have denounced the idea as one of the most absurd that ever entered the brain of a human being. <laughs> We are the very slaves of circumstances," said Marchdale. He obviously hasn't uh, watched our current election cycle. What appears to us so is to border even upon the impossible at one time is at another the only course of action which appears feasibly open to us to attempt. Indeed, that's right. We had now reached the vault, the floor of which was composed. One little leak of John Bolton's book, and all of a sudden, order the one beside the other. As Henry had stated, the vault was by no means of large extent. Indeed, several of the apartments for the living at the hall were much larger than was that one designed for the dead. The well, I should hope so. The living do need to get about more. Maybe the architect just planned ahead. In case you ever wake up and need to shamble out of here, the door does unlock from the inside. Now for one of your lights, Mr. Chillingworth. You say you have the candle, I think, Marchdale, although you forgot the matches. I have. Here they are. Oh, you forgot the matches. What? <laughs> parcel, which contained That's several your only job. <laughs> and when it was opened, a smaller packet fell to the ground. Oh! oh these are instantaneous matches. They are. And what a fruitless journey I should have had back to the hall. <laughs> I brought them after all. If you had not been so well provided <laughs> as Why did we? See, I don't know why is, is that necessary? I don't know if this is padding or if he was trying to get back to the hall for some nefarious reason. Ooh. Interesting. Mr. I mean, isn't Flora undefended at the house? His name I have to go back and get the matches. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. This is Marchbanks. He wants to get back to, to mom. It's like, there's oh. nobody here. I gotta do me some wooing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if I was over on Lunders Hill where kisses I've had a plenty With my sword and a pistol by my side I'd fight for the life of Georgie I believe we have come to the end of chapter. Uh, before they find the body? Uh, mm. 
Yeah. A cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, yes. So in um, precisely 15 days, no, 16, because, no, it's less than that, because this it's just coming out in February 15th. So um, the next time an urchin tries to shove a pamphlet in my face. An urchin? A street urchin. Oh, trying to yeah. Trying sell those. me the next chapter. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Little punks. Little scamp. Oh, governor. Yeah. Happy... Here, let's see if it's National Day of something. I'll look. Oh, yeah. Go to brownielocks.com. She's got, she, she collects all of that stuff. Brownie locks. <laughs> it's, it's uh, well, yeah. So it looks Holidays like. Holidays and fun. Okay, I'm looking. I've been trying to come up with all these cool new taglines and things like that. Well, you've gone and done it. You've wasted another perfectly good hour and 20 minutes. Is that right? No. No, it's less than that. Hour and eight minutes um, listening to us. Click and clack the tap. I mean... Click and clack. Okay, we'll start over. <laughs> Yo, so I believe that is a wrap for this week's edition of uh, GDT3K. And may I just say that I'm sad that it's ended, because this is just too much freaking fun. Plus, we still have a Montiato, and um, mm. yeah, I may have to get a we, cask. We should, we should have, we did not drink nearly enough. No, and we we need a That's cask. A real crime. I found a cask. You can get a cask, and it, you can <clears throat> you can actually put up to ten Ooh. letters on it. Here we go. Ah. This is perfect for what we're doing. It's National Organ Donor Day. <laughs> oh my! It, it's yes. also National No One Eats Alone Day. We never thought to check Flora's driver's license to see if she was a donor. We never did. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing we should have. Checked. In addition, it is well, National Cream-Filled Chocolates Day and National Ferris Wheel Day. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Did you say something after you said cream-filled chocolates? Because I wasn't listening. <laughs> no need. <laughs> Blood-filled Flora's. <laughs> yeah, you know your blood is your one of the largest organs in the body. <laughs> Time to donate. Donations, Donations accepted. Step right for, up. For only eight dollars a month, a vampire in England can be fed. One, two, three, four, five beautiful pints. <laughs> Hashtag uh, vampire unlives matter. <laughs> okay, so well that appears to be a wrap for this week's edition of GDT3K, the Gothic Dreadful Vampire Theater 3000 show. Look for another refreshing chug from the yard-long beer bong of Gothic Dreadfulness, which by the way is full of Amontillado, because that's how we roll around here. Um, that is James Malcolm's Rhymer's um, classic Varney the Vampire, which we are doing chapters 8 through 11 of. And we'll, we're going to get to see if there's anything in um, Sir Runnigate Bannerworth's coffin, or maybe his name is Marmaduke. I'm not it's quite sure say, at this point. He's actually secretly a Great Dane. Yeah. <laughs> the subject of right. many Sunday funnies. Yeah, or maybe it's like what, what, one of those. No, that's Clifford, the big red one. Yeah, never mind. Anyway, that's coming at you on March 1st of 2020. That's this year. And, you know, this is my favorite time of year because the Ides of March are coming up very soon. And that's my Facebook birthday. So I get a free Starbucks. So we'll be talking a lot about that, <laughs> no doubt, in the next episode. Um, yeah. 
All right. Well, this podcast is by Pulp Lit Productions in collaboration with Dark Tidings Press. No, the other way around, man. That one's my company. (laughs) For details or to browse our respective catalogs, hit us up at darktidingspress.com and pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, Dark Tidings Press, us, me... We uh, have a graphic novel that we successfully kickstarted recently. Um, Inks and pencils were done by Patrick Burmeyer. Those of you on the uh, YouTube video get to see the proof copies that just recently showed up. Um, It is coming out soon. I got to make sure that the Kickstarter rewards are shipped to all the backers, and then the rest of you that missed out on the greatest Kickstarter ever made can purchase it at retail. Sucks to be you. It does. Awesome. Whose turn is it? Well, it's yours according to this, but you stepped on my lines in the beginning. Oh, we're way out of order. Oh, see what a dork I am? Yeah, okay. We'll take it away. Out of order. Oh, um, okay. Also, the um, the ebook version of the debut novel by our lead fiction author, J.J. Dabbitt, who's our only fiction author actually at this point in time. That's that's a sort of sensitive subject. Yeah, here at Pulp Lit Productions. That is on sale today for free. It is set up to be free on the first day of every month and the 15th day of most months, including, of course, the Ides of March. Um, so for the foreseeable future, if you miss that window, you can catch it in a couple of weeks. This podcast is covered by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, com- non-commercial 4.0 international license, except for the theme music, which is used by permission. Speaking of which, our theme music is a traditional English ballad called Georgie by $4 Shoe, an old-time mountain music fiddle band out of Seattle. And there's more where that came from at $4shoe.com. That's the number four, and then dollarshoe.com. I don't know. That, that probably was... that They probably are regretting doing that. But <clears throat> anyway, yeah. So, well, I think that's it for us tonight uh, for the... Um, quasi-inaugural number two episode of the Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000 podcast. It tries harder. Yes, it does. (laughs) We will be back in your ears if you open them. Open open your mind. Uh, In a couple of weeks on February 15th, and until then, um, again, in our quest for a tagline, don't drive like my (laughs) co-host. Drive like Lyco. Okay. That one is taken too, unfortunately. Anyway, see. Were all the vampires are above average? No. Yes, yes. We're all (laughs) We are the podcast that would have caused a satanic panic in the eighties. That's good. We can if you play this backwards. Oh, oh good lord. Well, it'll be it'll it'll be the it'll, it'll be the transcript from the Ukrainian. Yeah. It's going to be the Necronomicon. Everybody thinks the Necronomicon doesn't exist, but actually, H.P. Lovecraft was tri- a time lord, and he came forward and, uh. and and listened to this podcast and just wrote it all down, and there yep. it all is. So, you know, send your check or money order today. <laughs> no, don't please. I don't need to write any more books. <laughs> okay. On, on that note. <laughs> Bye. Bye.